Absolutely none of your business. Well, I'm making it mine, Tyson. Who I choose to sleep with is my affair. Well, that's just it. Is it an affair or what? Don't be stupid. Me and Lex, his aura was out of balance. That's all. I tried to balance it for the good of us all. And what about Zandra's aura when she found out? Zandra has to take responsibility for herself. If she lets Lex walk all over her, that's her problem. So welcome to um, episode 26 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel again today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Hi. And Sabine. Hey. With episode notes done by Matt Katter and myself. So episode 26 marks the halfway point and the screenplay was done by Harry Duffin. It was directed by John Reed and the episode synopsis will be read out by Hill. The nomads have decided against Dal's leaving the tribe and have taken him prisoner. Sasha's attempt to release him lands him in custody as well. But what do the nomads have in store for their prisoners? Back at the mall, a heartbroken Zandra confronts Ryan over his involvement in keeping Lex's affairs with Tysan a secret. And Lex begs for yet another chance with his former intended. Let's get down to business. Now. So, episode 26, um, it begins with the Locos moving into their new home, uh, what becomes the iconic Horton Bailey Hotel. Uh, and with it, we hear the legendary sirens of Zoot's police car once more. Um, yeah, a few questions. First of all, what were the panel's thoughts about this brand new set um, and the chance to finally flesh out the Locos that we haven't seen for a while? Well, for me, it, it felt refreshing. You know, you don't just see locos, you see roosters there as well. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we're just always thrilled when we leave the mall for something. Something else. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you're just it's like, yay, it's something shiny and new that we get to look at and see how someone else lives. I was intrigued with how different they already were from the last time we saw them. You know, our last visit with the locos, Ebony was still walking in zoot shoes. And they were still where Zoot had left them. They were still doing what Zoot had done. And it's only when you see them now that you start to realize we haven't seen them in the streets terrorizing people like they did under Zoot. We haven't heard the siren. So they're clearly not driving around wasting gas. And they've left the train yard, which of course had no order to it. You know what I mean? It, we never got, you never got the sense that they had quarters or, you know what I mean? They were just out there camping. And, um, this is such a civilized change. And even the way they're behaving is different. You know, it made me very intrigued at how Ebony had taken charge of these guys. And it, it's a visual of how different she is from her former partner, you know? So I was just really intrigued and curious as to where this was going. Um, we'll, we'll get to this question in a second, but like, did the fact that Ebony, that we find out Ebony had organized a tribal gathering did that throw up any alarm bells for anyone in the panel at all? Honestly, it didn't. But you got to remember what we knew about Ebony at this point in time. We don't actually know that much about her. I mean, forget everything she's going to do, how far she'll go, the people she'll hurt. Just think about what you know about her at this point. All you know is that while Trudy may be afraid of her, and while Bray may have some unresolved issues with her, 
what we've seen in Ebony is that she may be a fierce ruler, but she's like one that she's logical, she's reasonable. And remember, she never did attack our mall rats. She kept her word. She had reasonable conversations with all of them. You know, maybe you might not have liked what she said, but she didn't outright attack them. She didn't outright fight with them. She claimed to only be there looking for Zoo. We have no real reason to be afraid of her or wary of her. So far, she's kept her word. She seems like she's had the locos in line. Um, we have not seen her do any of the things that Zoot did with them. So we haven't seen her attacking any of the tribes since Zoot's death. And she's organizing people to get together. So honestly, when I first saw it, I had no reason to be concerned about the fact that she organized a tribal gathering. It just seemed logical for this reasonable leader or what I thought she was. You know, I didn't have a real reason to think she was dangerous. I feel like at this point like there are two big tribes in the city like there's the mall rats and there's the logos and we know the mall rats aren't doing anything to put together a group of like a situation where we all come together and figure out what's the world like so that then falls on the loco so it didn't surprise me at all because obviously like like i said the mall rats aren't doing that um, and also with the locos of what we know of them, if the locos are saying, hey, we're doing this thing, like the rest of the city is going to go with it, much like if the Marats would say, hey, we're doing this thing. Um, the Marats don't really have that power right now, but later on they will. So it didn't surprise me. It just seemed logical. It made sense. And it also made sense to me that the Marats weren't aware of this happening. You know, because Ebony did say she wouldn't, She'd leave the mole rats alone. And that's what she did. She kept her word to Bray. That is true. Never thought about that that way. Wow, you guys are trusting. Like <laughs> I I always <laughs> thought even from back then, like Ebony wasn't someone you could fully trust. You could trust her maybe to a point, but like you could tell she was playing for power and like the upcoming gathering, I've always thought something would happen. Oh you, you knew something was gonna happen. Yeah, but, um, I just yeah. figured that we were all scared kids and we needed kind of to get together to figure out a game plan like and the only way we're gonna do like it's cool to have our own little fractions but if we're gonna make a go of making a city and a, an infrastructure we're gonna have to eventually work together mm -hmm. even like, at this could point, be a how ebony ebony's version of working together is like you know <laughs> working <Yeah>. under her <laughs> being a slave like you can tell even from this point um so yeah, I, I kind of was worried at this point, like what was going to happen next. I, I just assumed she would seize power over the whole city. Yeah, that's what I figured. I didn't, I wasn't concerned about what would happen to the mall rats because I didn't think, well, I didn't think what would happen would happen. But yeah, I mean, obviously I was wary of Ebony. Like you don't want to cross her. You don't want to start trouble with her. But why would the mall rats do that? So I didn't think yeah. it was a concern that she was organizing a tribal gathering because she... She is honest about why she's doing it. It's not like this was a trick. Ebony didn't get the gathering to trick people. She didn't make the gathering so the mall rats would show up and she could do what she did. She had no idea they would show up. She did this. Their purpose was to try and get people to work together. Granted, she's going to want to benefit from it. She's going to want her yeah. tribe to, but it's still not false advertising. You know what I mean? It's still exactly what she said it was going to be. It's just the mall rats end up in way over their head. 
because they aren't on the same playing field as these other tribes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I guess I figured Emney would be like, yo, I'm your leader now. That's what it is. Like, we've got this plan. Yeah. I didn't think it would be dangerous you know, for them to no. go. Um, but hey, I mean, that's the, again, I'm, this is based on what I'd already knew about Ebony. And at this point, while I knew, be careful of her, I wasn't afraid of her because again, yeah. she so far has only been shown as, yeah, she's tough. You don't want to cross her, but she's reasonable, you know, and she keeps her word. So as long as you don't give her a reason to mess with you, she won't. <laughs> yeah. Remember the Marads captured her, they kept her in a cage and she still <laughs> kept her word and didn't attack them. So that's all I'm saying is I wasn't concerned about her doing the gathering i didn't think it was some kind of trick like oh i got everybody here let's set them on fire you know what i mean <laughs> that would be if someone else ran it yeah i just i thought it was interesting that we would get to see like other tribes i was ready for that yeah and definitely like seeing because most of the tribes have such an iconic look like i was excited to see like other look mm -hmm. i did wonder what was going to happen though um when you have all of these people who've been warring with each other for months and months and months finally all in the same place trying to work together trade i certainly didn't think it was the way the nomads had described it as you know getting together and having fun <laughs> like, oh i don't think it's gonna be like that um it's a lot of tension it's a lot of bad blood but i also thought i agreed with amber believing that maybe they're just sick of this you know and mm -hmm running out of resources and realizing that we're gonna have to work together if we're gonna have anything yeah. i guess i pictured it kind of like what i think the un is like like we all live on this planet together let's kind of get together once a year and talk and then go about our separate ways and it's all good wouldn't it be great if you could tune in and watch one of those in the hopes that a fist fight would break out yeah like maybe there'll be a fight but maybe not hopefully everyone keeps it civil that's kind of what i thought the gathering was going to be like just kind of yeah. You know, let's let's do it. Let's be civil for a little bit and then hear what everyone has to say. And if we all are in agreement to not, you know, hog the spotlight, you know, like you're in a meeting and there's always that one person asking too many questions and you're like, dude, if you just shut up, we can get out of here. That's why the mole rats weren't invited. Yeah, probably. But like, you're just like, oh, so I, that's what I thought the gathering would be like is that. They would hope that everyone would just kind of fall in line, kind of get through it as quickly and painlessly as possible, and then we can just hold off for another year. It's a great opportunity. Imagine being able to walk the streets safely again. To go home. I can't. Mine was burnt. I lost all my toys and everything. Trudy's right. This is too good an opportunity to give up. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so we sit in here forever, do we? Like real rats hiding in the sewers? Yeah, I mean, what do you think about the Morat's decision to be a part of the tribal gathering? Uh, especially considering the fact that they are a pretty much new tribe, um, and they've had no experience with any of the other tribes apart from the Locos. Um, do you think it was smart to try and get themselves out there and stop hiding? I understand the risk. I do. Like you said, they are a small tribe. Nobody knows of their existence except for Ebony. And so there's a chance you go there and you'll have no pull. You'll have no weight. You'll be trampled on. But on the other end, this is the one way to safely get themselves out there and become a yeah. part of the community. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very common for Vikings and Norsemen with their clans. They would come together for these things. And it was... Now, these are warring clans. People who had a lot of bad blood between them. But... 
when they got to this gathering once a year, there was this rule. They could not attack or hurt each other while they were there. And it was a way to get together and actually discuss some of the grievances they might have between their clans with the promise of there being no bloodshed between them. Exactly. So if you were a new clan that nobody knew of and you had no clout, you would want to go to this meeting because it was the safest way to get yourself seen and known and introduce yourself and be a part of the group and be acknowledged as, hey, we're here too. We exist. So while I know it's a risk because of the mall rats not having any pull or any weight, it's the safest way for them to become a part of the city community where this is a gathering where people aren't supposed to be fighting or warring with each other. They're actually going to be discussing things and how the city should move forward and how they should behave with each other. This is the smartest time to get out there and be like, hey, we're the mall rats. We yeah. would like a part and seat at the table, you know? <laughs> This is where it falls apart, though, because well, <laughs> this information is coming from the nomads, which is coming from Trudy, who understands that Ebony has suddenly had this U-turn to create this gathering. It, I know we spoke, you talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but this like sudden U-turn that they believe Ebony has made, it just doesn't fit, I believe. No, absolutely not. That is the funny thing. Yeah. This is a game of telephone. The, our mall rats have not heard about the tribal gathering from the people actually involved in the tribal gathering. And the information that Trudy got, she got from the nomads who, of course, were going to try and talk Trudy and Dal into going to the tribal gathering because they wanted to sell them as slaves. So, of course, you're going to want to convince them to go with you, you know, um, voluntarily. That way you don't have to keep them tied up. If they go with you voluntarily, then you can easily sell them. Um, and of course, you're going to make it sound like a great time so that they'd agree. Uh, so that's what she heard. And of course, that sounded really good to her. And she ups it even more when she tells Amber and them. And I don't really know what to, like I said, I don't really know what to think about her talking so positively about Ebony. Either her feelings for Ebony aren't as strong at this point or the writers weren't as clear on her feelings on ebony i don't know if she's having a change of heart because one ebony didn't attack them all and that ebony actually wasn't didn't care that she had zoot's baby like bray told her she should be afraid of and it turned out she didn't have to be maybe she's just being positive in this moment maybe she's just trying to be helpful to amber <laughs> you know i don't I don't know. But here's the thing, too. Like, if the gathering is supposedly as peaceful as everyone's making it out to be, no matter where you get that information from, the Marats don't have much to lose by going, if it is what people are saying. Hmm. They know? have more to gain. Yeah. They definitely have more to gain yeah. by going. So, I think, like, the risks or the benefits outweigh the risk. Like, if it's a trap, yeah, we're kind of in a bad position, but right now it sounds really good and we should take the risk. I, I don't know. If you told me that uh, the locos were organizing a gathering of all the tribes, I don't care how you played it. I, I would not risk <laughs> going to that gathering. That feels so cynical. No. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lex, what's going on with you? That's like, yeah, here's a mouse trap. Just step in it for me. Like, no, why would you do that? Like, it's the locos, regardless of who's in charge. They are, at the end of the day, locos. But, you know, yeah. Ebony has been keeping her word. Like, everyone, I don't know. I'm thinking on the Trudy part of it all. I kind of wonder if she painted Ebony in such a more positive light. Because up till that point, everything she knew about Ebony, 
and what Ebony was going to do to her was told to her by Bray. And she's reached a point where she no longer cares what Bray thinks, or at least she values his opinion, but she doesn't trust him as much as she used to, not as blindly. So maybe that made her reconsider um, her opinion on Ebony as well, or she just wanted to annoy him by painting Ebony in a better light. Or maybe she's just trying to be fair to Ebony because she herself just went through a really bad spell. Yeah. She just went through a really rough time where everyone in the Mallrats hated her. That was the only Trudy they knew. They'd never known her before this. They didn't know a nice Trudy. And yet these same people still gave her a second chance. They let her come home and they gave her her child back. That's going to make you want to be a little bit more fair in your judgment of other people as well. You know, and I I'm not saying it's right. Calm down, Lance. I'm just saying maybe that's where she was coming from. She was just being a little more generous in her opinion because of the fair treatment she had just received. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's possible. Or then again, it could just be bad writing. <laughs> Very inconsistent writing. And we're trying to rationalize it, man. <laughs> I think so much of the tribe, though, is trying to rationalize bad writing. And I love it. We wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. I can understand Trudy being positive about the gathering, but yes, her speaking so highly on Ebony and how she's really taken a hand of the locos. Like, how do you know? Have you seen yeah. her with the yeah. locos? You don't know how she's handling them. You don't know if she's doing things differently. Again, it's just some sloppy writing that maybe there's things left on the cutting room floor. But it does feel like sh we missed a conversation of information that Trudy must have got. Mm -hmm. We didn't get it. And also, how did Bray, who keeps going in and out of the city all the time, not hear about this gathering at all? He's, he's thinking about other things. He's trying to avoid people, so he's yeah. avoiding conversations. He's not listening in on other people talking, you know? He doesn't want to be seen when he's getting his food. Um, later, he'll actually start trading with people. But right now, he's stealing food from places. He's not going to want to be seen by anybody. And he's certainly avoiding the locos. So he didn't even know Ebony moved. He didn't. Yeah, but that surprised me. Because Bray, at some point, accused Lex of not being able to know anything because he doesn't go outside while Bray does. And then Bray doesn't know anything. It's just odd. I think it just wasn't convenient at the time. Well, yeah, that was the quite a ridiculous scene where Lex said he had his ear to the ground and he, yeah, he never left the mall. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Bray was putting out at least foraging for food, but yeah. <laughs> and it's possible that Bray, like again, because he's not actually meeting with people while he's out there, he's only able to glean as much visual confirmation of what's been going on. So he's not hearing what people are talking about. Um, and he's probably foraging more in safe places, trying to keep his risks at a minimum because he has to go out so often. And again, he is definitely avoiding the locos now because he knows he doesn't have a free pass with them anymore. So there's, he's not going to hear about the gathering. Um, so as far as he knows, people are still not really getting along that well. But again, the conversation you're talking about where he says this is in the future when it's Sasha who says, oh, we can just go out and trade with people. And Bray doesn't want to because it's Sasha's idea. And so he's like, you, and Lex likes the idea because he likes Sasha. And Bray's like, you don't know what it's like. You're not the one who has to go out there. So again, it could just be personal motivation due to his jealousy of mm -hmm. Sasha. Because he certainly changes his mind on how he feels about the city. <laughs> when Sasha says, it's an okay place if you know what you're doing, Bray. <laughs> He's like, why you little? So we're like, you know, just imagine being in their shoes. You just don't know. 
you don't know, but this is an opportunity. Yeah. Do you ignore it because you're scared? Or do you say, we can't let, the, we can't pass this up. What if the tribe gathering went well and you're the only one who's left off the table? You know how much harder it's going to be to get acceptance once, I mean, it's already bad enough. The other tribes at least accept that the others exist. The Marats don't exist. And that's not going to change unless they get out there. So I say, make a name for somehow, like they have nothing really to lose by not going. Are they their lives? <laughs> but I think I don't know. They, I, I feel like they have much more to gain if it's this utopia that they all say it's going to be. I mean, unless they plan on staying hidden forever and never yeah. having any, just not playing in the part of the city or just leaving. If you're planning on staying there and being a part of this, you're going to have to find a way to be a part of it. And that requires taking risks. I mean, no offense, Dal. You're highly ransom material. What? You're not a prince or an emperor or anything, are you? Stupid. Hey, any more insults and I won't rescue you. From what? That's what I've been trying to figure out. The Nomads. They seemed... Like the good guys? Yeah, I know. And now, they're the bad guys. So what's their game? I don't know, but we shouldn't stick around to find out. So switching to the Nomad camp, Dal, as Dal attempts to leave, he's instead obviously locked up, um, with Troy telling Sasha that he was caught stealing. Um, not believing this, Sasha attempts to rescue Dal, but it only ends up in him getting caught himself. And it's these events that give us a, like a little better look into the person of Sasha, um, his ability to make stream jokes under pressure, but he's also his intuitions about people. Um, yeah, what did you think about Sasha at this specific point in time? Again, ignoring the future in relationship with Amber. I liked it. I thought I thought it was a really cool insight that he he you know he met these nomads and he seemed like he fully trusted them, but he clearly did not fully trust them as much as Dal did because he travels and he has to deal with people all the time, and so naturally Sasha would have to learn to depend on his instincts when he can and cannot trust people and pay attention to his intuition. So I love the fact that Troy says, oh yeah, he stole from us. And Sasha just agrees with him like, wow, you never know. You can't usually tell. And yet he doesn't believe a word Troy is saying. He's like, I'm going to find out the truth for myself. You know, mm -hmm. and um, I so I do like that insight into Sasha that he's not as innocent and oblivious as some people like to say he is. He has become world weary. He just doesn't let it turn him pessimistic or into a cynic. He doesn't it doesn't ruin his ability to find joy, even though he's aware that, dude, people suck all over, even the ones that smile at you, you know. Um, and I like the fact that he risks, you know, freeing Dal from these people. You know, <laughs> he could have easily just stayed out of it. It would have been easier for Sasha if he did, and he just went on his way. But he's showing, um, like, a loyalty to a kid he just met because he, mm -hmm. he can see that Dal doesn't actually have what it takes to make it out here with these kind of people. But Sasha's clearly been doing this since the virus, and he knows how to get in and out of these scrapes. This is clearly not the first time he's been in one because he handles it really well. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like oh handcuffs again <laughs> reminds me of that time back in you know whatever and yeah. I, do, I like that insight to Sasha a lot alright go ahead decimate him guys I'm waiting I still don't like <laughs> Sasha I don't know why I don't like Sasha I just don't like Sasha we get it you don't like him I don't like him <laughs> um, you don't like that he tried to rescue Dal I mean I think I think a lot of it comes back to like it's a very serious situation he's making jokes the entire time Maybe. I don't know. I just don't know how I'd handle it. And yet he says the thing you've been saying for ages. What? 
that they're cannibals. cannibals. Oh, yeah, I know. And yet I don't like them. The baby hands on his head are doll's hands, not kids' hands. I know that. Because he chopped off the head. Just saying. I'm just saying, if you had to be captured with anyone, I think Sasha would be a great person. To, like, if you ended up in jail in Mexico, I would be so happy to have Sasha next to No, week. I can think of a whole lot of other people I'd rather be locked up in jail. Like, with, okay. You know, because I tend to do that, too, when I tend to use sarcasm and jokes mm -hmm. to cope with extreme pressure. Because I try to look on the bright side, yeah. or I just use sarcasm to deal with it, or whatever. And um, so I... It almost, you know, it says a lot about a person. I mean, people seem to think it's easy to stay cheerful and chipper and they look down on you for being that way. But it takes a lot of work <laughs> to keep, you know, your head on straight and keep a smile on your face. And it also means that Sasha isn't stopped by much because he refuses to see anything as a losing situation. For him, this is just a temporary situation he's found himself in and his first opportunity, he will be out of it. You know, he's not blind to the fact that this sucks. You know, like, okay, how am I going to get out of this? But he doesn't give up immediately. Like, oh, like, da, like, this is it. It's over. I'm going to be sold into slavery. Dasha doesn't see it that way. He's like, okay, but he knows it's not permanent. I will get out of this eventually. I will find a way. This is not the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It's just a stopgap. And I like that point of view. And I like people who have that point of view. I respect it because that takes a lot of strength of character to have that mm -hmm. point of view. Can I just say that all I'm thinking about now is what ca character of the tribe would you rather be locked up, like, in handcuffs with? And Sasha is definitely not on the list. Alice. Yeah. That'd be fun. There's there's several characters I wouldn't mind being in handcuffs with. To be fair, KC would be a good one. because he I'm fine with KC. He could pick a rock. Fine with Jack. Sasha, though, is not on that list. Because I think... I think that personality type is just one that irks me. Like, I get being chipper all the time. That's fun. But, like, at some point, I'm just like, yo, like, dial it back. Please, before I stab you. I wasn't sure if you wanted to say you didn't like Sasha one more time. I don't like <laughs> Sasha. Did you know about Tyson? Tyson. Her and Lex. Her and Lex. We're not going to get anywhere if you keep repeating what I say, Ryan. They've been sleeping together. You must have known that. You sleep here as well. I was on guard duty. So you did know? Well, I... You knew and you didn't tell me. I didn't want to hurt you, that's why. I wanted to tell you, honest. I'd do anything for you, Zan. Then find Lex for me. What are you going to do to him? I don't know. I haven't thought of anything bad enough yet. So let's return to the mall and this, let's discuss that confrontation between Zandra and Ryan. Um, first question. <sighs> Was Ryan right or wrong to keep quiet about Lex and Tyson? Bro code. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but it is bro code, isn't it? But then that leads to the question of like, how much of a friend has Lex really been to Ryan? None. Yeah, but we know that Ryan doesn't measure his loyalty yeah. based on your merits. Like, you can treat him like crap and it won't change how loyal he is to you. I don't really know how I feel about Ryan not telling Zandra. On one hand, I totally understand why he didn't say a word to her. Um, in his eyes, it would just hurt her. And there's no way he could fix that. And the last thing Ryan wants to do is hurt her. You know, and he's misguided in thinking that just keeping silent will prevent that hurt. You know, but I understand it. Um, and at the same time, I know how I would feel if Ryan claimed to be my friend and claimed to love me. And yet he knew that 
the man I loved was constantly cheating on me and knew about the most recent one and said nothing to me, I'd be upset, you know? Uh, like, why didn't you tell me that? Um, what if Ryan saw that as maybe his in with Zondra too? Again, I would agree with that if Ryan was more vindictive or sneaky. Yeah, but he's, he's not. He's not. He never once sees this as a true opportunity for himself to get in there, you know? He could easily have taken advantage, but he doesn't. He's just trying to prevent Sandra from being hurt by something he can't change for her. Yes, that's perfect. Thank you, Sabine. I did, yeah. It's not like he can take back what Lex did. And he can't change Lex. But he can protect Sandra from it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And, you know, this is the only way he can protect her, is by not letting her know this happened and i don't think it's fair of zandra to put the blame onto ryan by making this all about him again it's that cognitive cognizant dissonance she's in love with a man that isn't worthy of it and it's everybody else's fault but you know the man's fault you know what i mean it's everyone's fault but hers you know um ryan's the one who should have done something it's more like zandra you're the yeah. one who should just not be in this relationship it shouldn't be ryan's responsibility to hold you guys' hands through this or have to bear the weight of your behavior and your actions with each other, you know? And they both do that to Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, so while I get her being angry at him for not saying anything, I still don't think it's fair to make this his problem. It's not, you know? And I know people who, okay, especially in a case like this where even if Zandra knew Lex cheated on her, she eventually will forgive him and get back together with him. And if you've ever had a friend like that who is determined to stay with a serial ch cheater, eventually you're going to stop telling them when you've seen their serial cheating partner at the club or at the supermarket with some hoe. You ain't going to say anything anymore because you know there's no point in saying anything. They're just going to get into a huge fight and then they'll be together or they'll find a way to make it about you and get mad at you or whatever. And you're just like, forget it. I'm not saying anything. I'm staying out of this. Yeah, what did the panel think about this spurning Ryan on to confront Lex? Oh, Ryan, you try. I just... You try so hard. It was so sweet. And you see Lex, the look on Lex's face is actually one slightly worried with a, oh, no, is he gonna finally snap? I feel like Ryan sees it as, like, his job to do it, though. And, like, he just gets really, like, proud to go in, like, like, oh, yeah, I, I get to do something. It's that anger. You know, Ryan is in love with Zandra. He would do anything to have her return those feelings. And instead, Lex has it. And he has no choice but to live with that. And that anger at Lex, that you have something I would give anything for and you don't appreciate it and you use it and you on it, mm -hmm. you know? Fix this or I am going to mess you up. Yeah. And Lex is like, holy crap, I think he's serious. Okay, dude. <laughs> I don't like Ryan sniping at Tyson only because not it's not because Tyson doesn't deserve it but what I don't like is once again I always hate how okay and I'm just using the genders that are involved here a guy cheats on girl okay and instead of people getting rightfully angry at the guy and only at the guy for being the one who cheated they get mad at the other woman and I get so tired of seeing that all the time like remember Tyson wasn't in a relationship with anyone she didn't cheat on anybody you know Lex is the one who cheated. Your anger should be focused on him. And so it kind of bugs me that, but that's the only reason why, because I'm just so sick of seeing that, you know, 
Tyson being treated like the other woman when she's never been interested in Lex. <laughs> and, and she's not actually trying to stand in the way of Lex and Zondra getting together. And, um, and yet he is. But she's not trying to. You know what I mean? Like, she's not at all interested in keeping those two apart. Yeah, but... Again, she didn't think about her actions, but she didn't do what she did thinking, oh, this will split them up. So just be fair. She was not in any way trying to stand in between these two. In her logical brain, this was completely unrelated. I'm not saying it. that's just the way she saw it. You know? Yeah, but it's not the way everyone else sees it. I mean, the moment you know that a guy is with a specific girl and you start sleeping with him, that doesn't make you innocent. Yeah, but it doesn't make you anywhere near as responsible as him. Oh, no, absolutely not. But it doesn't make her innocent. You know, like, when my ex-husband cheated on me, I didn't get mad at the woman he cheated on me with. She knew about me, but I didn't get mad at her because she's not the one who broke promises to me. She wasn't the one who broke vows to me. Okay, he did. I wasn't wasting my anger on her. I wasted, I, I put it on where it belonged, him. He was the one who stepped out of the relationship. His responsibility, not hers. I was not wasting time being mad at the other woman. I don't think Tyson ever thought of it as like a mutually exclusive relationship though either. That's true. Like I, she probably thought they were in like an open situation and it was all cool. Well, not that. I mean, but he certainly doesn't have a real reason to respect their relationship. Yeah. But I, that's what I've kind of always figured. She just, one, she doesn't believe in monogamy anyway. Yeah. So she already doesn't have these hangups of what, you know, just two people being together and nobody else can be involved. She doesn't believe in relationships in general. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw the way she reacted by, you know, when Lex suggested there might be something between them. She was just like, excuse me? Hell no, never. So why Zondra gets much more, like, upset than Tysan does. I feel bad for Tysan only in the sense that, like... Everyone keeps, like, Zondra especially wants to treat her like, see, he jilted you. He doesn't really care about you. And it's like, Tyson doesn't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want your boyfriend, Zondra. <laughs> I know you need to think that so you can feel special because you won. But I dumped him. <laughs> you didn't win anything. You found him in a yard sale because I didn't want him anymore. Um, let's stick with that for a moment because... Uh, Tyson, I find, has a really interesting reaction um, during the scene later on when Zandra forces Lex to publicly break up with Tyson. Yeah, Tyson has a really interesting kind of shake of her head when... She's disgusted. She's so disgusted with him. Any respect she might have had for him as a man or as a human being is gone. Yep. She's like, wow, you're that pathetic that you guys have to, you have to put on this song and dance. You know I dumped you. You know I didn't want you. I kicked you out of my bed like an unwet wanted pet. Okay? He will use those words. He knows this. And yet he's putting on this song and dance to make Zondra happy. Oh, yeah. She's disgusted with him. <laughs> but she's willing to make peace with Zondra. That's why she takes it and says nothing. And says, oh, yes. Break up with me, Lex. Ugh, I'm sorry. It's just so pathetic and like disgusting. And even Zondra's behavior during it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. You're young, but I've seen grown women act this way and it's pathetic. They got to prove he's mine. See, he doesn't want you. And it's like, I don't want him. <laughs> they need to prove it to you. They got to show him off, you know? I, and it, the guy doesn't even have to have slept with you. You could have just spent time with you. 
you know, and there might have been some interest, but it didn't work out. But she's feeling, the girlfriend's now feeling really super territorial and she's got to prove to the whole world that you're not a threat. And you're like, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> like, I don't want him. He's yours. You're wasting your energy being jealous. You need to just keep an eye on him because I may be out of the picture, but there's plenty of other women running around. Stop focusing on me. Sorry. I apologize. I just, this whole thing between like Sandra and Tyson just exemplifies so many things I can't stand in relationships and love triangles and stuff like that. <laughs> Get tired of seeing it. But I mean, it's refreshing. You know, if you're a kid, this might be the first time you're seeing this. And I do think the writers do a good job of portraying this behavior as unhealthy and pretty pathetic. <laughs> so yeah, there's um, a, a lot of apologies in this episode, genuine or otherwise. So we've got obviously between Lex and Zandra, Zandra and Ryan. We also got Trudy's attempts to apologize to Celine and Bray and Amber's apology as well afterwards. Yeah, what did you think about Trudy's desire to be to genuinely be Celine's friend, despite everything that's happened between them. I think she's very grateful to Celine at this point, because where all the others were going, okay, no, you can't just come back like that. Celine not only took care of Brady, but gave Brady back to her. So Trudy's willing to do whatever it takes, keep Celine on her good side to make up for how she treated her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've all been through a really bad patch where the people in our lives rightfully may have turned away from us or just said, that's it, I've had enough. And there was maybe one person who didn't. They had every right to discard us, but they didn't. Maybe they hadn't ever met us at our best, I don't know. But um, when we get ourselves better, when we come out of it, you know, there is this sense of gratefulness to that person and really wanting to make up to them and show them at your best, you know, prove that, you know, you met me at a really bad time in my life and that's not who I really am. And I'm sorry that that's the side of me that you met first. And, but I can actually be a good person, you know, and I do believe at her core, Trudy is a good person and she desperately wants people to know that about her. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I do think she's been sincere and it, and at the same time, she doesn't feel like she deserves Celine's forgiveness, which is why she's so accepting of the fact that Celine is just like, avoiding her she doesn't know why but she assumes it's because she's she must still hate me and of course why wouldn't she still hate me because of how i treated her but i'm really trying to make it right um but the fact that she's willing to accept celine's hatred says a lot about where she is now mm -hmm. compared to where she was you know she's taken full responsibility of her behavior and how it affected people and that no she's not owed forgiveness which is the true meaning of being like sincerely sorry. You don't say you're sorry because you're trying to get a desired result from the other person. You're saying sorry because you acknowledge you messed up, you know, mm -hmm. and you recognize they do not owe you forgiveness. And um, it doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. And I do love this contrast compared to uh, Trudy's uh, earlier attempts to apologize mm -hmm. for her behavior where she wasn't truly sorry, you know, um, she apologized to get what she wanted. But here, Trudy, this is a sincere from the heart apology. One that accepts that I know you can hate you can hate me and I totally deserve it. I just want you to know I'm sorry for what I did. And um, what did you think of um, Amber's expression after um, Bray's apology and what he says? I, I, I totally remember Bray apologizing to 
you know, like checking with Amber and seeing where they were. And um, I just don't remember the look she gave him. I want to imagine I see it in my head, but <laughs> I don't want to just make it up and comment on that. <laughs> I don't really remember what her expression was. I think it might have been a little wistful or hopeful. Tell me. Help me out here. She was quite downbeat when Bray mentioned could they still be friends. Um, <gasps> I think she was kind of hoping. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank you. That makes sense. So that's what I got the wistful from. Um, <laughs> that's how I remembered it. That it was like, oh, you just want to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since they just had that flirtatious moment where she was like, oh, so Trudy's out of the picture and, you know, yeah. implied she'd like to be next at bat, you know, and he seemed positively receptive to that. And now he's like, <laughs> I hope we can be friends. And she's just like, what's a, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought you were going to put me on your dance card, but you were just looking for a designated driver. Okay. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> she's waiting. You can tell now Amber's reached a point where she's waiting for him to make a move. But Bray is actually being cautious this time because he recognizes that his actions have consequences and you should be careful with people's feelings. And yep. <laughs> he learned something. Right. He's trying to be careful with her because he likes her so much. And yet here she is like thinking, okay, so the door's been open. I think we're on the same page. And then he comes back at her with this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, sure, friends. Friends are freaking great. I can't have enough friends in my life. <laughs> but where are the benefits? You may not think about anything except yourself, Tysan, but I am trying to hold something together here. That's your problem, your power trip. Oh, and you're not on one? Messing with people's lives? At least mine isn't clinging to some old outdated morality. Where do you get off telling people how to live their lives, Amber? That's what the adults did. And look what happened. And what do you think would happen, Tysan, if we all followed your way of doing things? It's not my way. It's a freedom to fulfill our destiny. Freedom? And what about responsibility? It's part of consciousness. Just remember, Amber, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Amber confronts Tysan about Lex and this creates a huge argument as they argue about their conflicting worldviews. Basically, Tysan ultimately believes that people should be free to do as they will, but Amber believes that responsibilities are what define people. Uh, it's quite a big debate, but where do the panel fall in this argument? Is Tysan right that power is corrupting Amber? Is Amber right that Tysan's lack of morality is very selfish? Um, or do they both have a point? They both have absolutely have a point because Tyson just he at least he sees that there's more to life than just following rules, following the old ways. Because well, that didn't do the world much good. But then on the other end, Amber has this strong view of how she thinks things should be done, and sometimes it's just too much. Even though she has a point that certain things need to be done a certain way, it doesn't always mean that the same thing is true for everyone and for every situation. And she is absolutely trying to control more than she should control because neither Lex nor Sandra nor Tyson and what she does with her own body is of any real influence to what Amber uh, has to go through. She, does it, she shouldn't have a say in what Tyson does and does not do. I... I do agree with that to a, a massive point, but I mean, then again, like when it starts to impact the group, 
um, then you come back around to Tai San's way of thinking of, okay, well then you're impacting the tribe. So she, 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 yeah, she does get involved. She should get involved. Um, should she though? Should, should Amber really have a say on what Tai San does in the privacy of her own bedroom? Well, if Tai San's intervening for the good of the tribe, then so should Amber in the same vein if things are going badly. I mean, there's no right answer. It's a very philosophical <laughs> debate, but yeah, it's like they're both just going around the same vein of thought, but in just vaguely different directions. When they first, when they first clashed episodes ago, I mentioned, and I find it very fascinating, their points of view, how they're on opposite ends of the spectrum where, you know, Tyson is just chaotic, neutral, and Amber is a lawful good, you know, and uh, how they're both right and they're both wrong. You know, the problem is neither of them can meet in the middle. I agree that you do need some rules. You need some structure. You cannot allow people to just run around, do whatever the frick they want and hope that they only do good. That just doesn't work. I mean, there's a reason we came up with laws because unfortunately, when people were allowed to do whatever the frick they wanted, it seemed like what they wanted was really bad. They wanted to do a lot of bad things that hurt other people. So it was like, okay, this is what happens when you're given complete freedom. Um... And so that's what happens when you go all the way down Tysan's road with no responsibility whatsoever. Um, Tysan sleeps with Lex to fix the tribe, but doesn't care that when Zandra finds out, that's going to sever the tribe. She didn't care about that. You know what I mean? And she didn't care about Lex's feelings in general. You know, um, she didn't take responsibility for this action. But she had every right to sleep with Lex. There's nothing she could do that. She was allowed to sleep with him. It's just, again, she took no response. Freedom does not mean without consequence. And that's how Tyson wants to live her life. The idea that I'm free to do whatever I want and I shouldn't have to face any consequences about it. And it's like people who think, freedom of speech, man, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you say whatever you want to the wrong person and you're going to get punched in the face. That's the consequence of your freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and Tyson doesn't like to ever address that or acknowledge that that's a situation. That's the reality of life. Actions have consequences. You may be free to do certain things, but the consequence is this is what's going to happen after, you know. Um, and then you have Amber who takes it in the opposite, just extreme. I totally agree. It isn't her business who Tyson sleeps with. This isn't, is this really destroying the group because Lex and Zandra are fighting again? Like, how is this any different than the Ebony situation or him trying to rape Zandra? It happens over and over again. So why are you attacking Tysan for having had sex with him? You know, I agree that that's not Amber's business um, and that she doesn't get to tell somebody that you shouldn't have, you, again, I just, I just, you know, <laughs> um, so Amber does take her control too far and doesn't know when to back off. Like you can control, you lay down the law. And as long as people are following the law, then you just got to kind of leave them alone the rest of the way. You know what I mean? Just let them do their thing. And there's not like there's a rule. Like they have don't steal food, don't steal water. They don't have a rule that says don't sleep around. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think they're both right and they're both wrong. Yes, responsibilities they they're there you can't ignore them and it doesn't mean that you don't have them and there are consequences to everything you do but same time you cannot control everything 
And that's Amber's issue. She has a power issue. And she's turning Tyson's what happened into a, a question of morality. And it's like, morality according to who? It's your morality. You're the one who's hung up on people having sex with who they like when they want. But that's not Tyson's morality. Why should it be considered a lack of morality simply because it doesn't match yours? Tyson is allowed to sleep with anyone she wants. Just because it doesn't fit your view of sexuality and what you think is allowed doesn't make it wrong. And uh, so that's the line there. You know, when you try to enforce your morality on people, it's like, well, what is, where does your morality come from? What justified it? What defined it? And why does that make it right compared to mine? So I don't agree with either of them because <laughs> they're both so extreme in this argument. I'm in the middle, but I think it's a fantastic discussion uh, to have and for kids to think about. And again, it's one of those moments where this is talking above its own audience's head, which is pretty cool. It is a, it is a really fascinating argument. And obviously, it's one of the main themes of the show that we get to see uh, over and over again with different characters, different tribes. Um, do you think the show manages to show all the viewpoints of this question? For what it is and what it can do, I think the show does an admirable job of exploring these viewpoints and what happens when control is taken too far and when freedom is given too much reign. Definitely. These are deep questions and the fact that they even bother to try to tackle it. They've done it. They do it better than plenty of shows that are not just shows, but like books and stuff that are aimed at an older audience. And I, I, I think they did a pretty damn good job with that. Impressive. Hey, hey, what on earth is going on? I'm a loco. Casey's pretending to be a loco. He's chasing us. So let's move on to something a little less heavy. Um, what did you think of the really charming scene um, between Casey, Chloe and Patsy as he proceeds to portray, chase them through the mall? Um, and yeah, what did you think of how Trudy, Trudy handled the situation, um, especially compared to how she would have handled it before? It's really super cute. And I really do wish the three of them could have stayed young and just mm -hmm. happy forever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I miss this. I miss Casey and the girls back, you know, again, before hormones become an issue. And I, again, I really love the contrast and I, I really applaud the writers and Antonia for allowing to, us to see her at mm -hmm. her worst so that when we see her at her best, it's like we've met a whole new person, you know, and um, it's <laughs> I won't lie. Like if you're the this is the first time you've ever watched it, I could totally understand if you're just waiting for her to go Stepford Wives again. Like I don't trust it. <laughs> I've seen her be nice before. <laughs> it is refreshing to see that, and it's refreshing to see kids being kids and kind of forgetting about this really bad situation they're in. Yeah. 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 This is like Trudy being happy. Like she looks happy. She looks yeah. at peace with where she is it this is she's clearly not faking it she's not being disingenuine you know she's happy to be back where she is she's content with the decision she made because she made it and it's written all over her face and if anything it just makes me want to bow down to antonia a little bit more because i'm like how did you play you know 
pre-epiphany Trudy and now you're playing this Trudy. How is it possible? You've got mad skills, girl. We are not worthy. We're not worthy. And I'm um, sticking with Trudy. Um, yeah, how how awkward <laughs> did you feel was the scene between herself and Bray? Because um, the two obviously are still quite uncomfortable around each other. And as they have a conversation about Celine's well-being, Trude ends up snapping at him, though she does immediately apologize. Yeah, did, you, did the panel think that the two were ever going to become friends again? Um, or did you think this was like how it was going to be from here on out between the two? I hoped it wouldn't be. I hated the idea that these people, who, these two who'd been together for months, you know, and when we first met them, they were on good ground. So those were good months, you know? And yet they were in the mall for a few weeks and it was dashed. It was just destroyed, you know, and, and a lot of it was just completely out of their control. It really wasn't things that they did to each other. And I hated the idea of that relationship being completely destroyed like that. I really did hope that um, they'd be able to eventually get past this. I didn't know if it would. Uh, the show, by this point, I was like ready for it to just keep surprising me. So, um and I, I was happy, though, that the writing didn't just fix this relationship. That even though Trudy has had her epiphany and she is sorry for the things that she's done and she's, she, it doesn't mean that she is looking at this and saying, oh, you're totally off the hook. She still looks at Bray. She's still upset at things that he did do. You know, she's still hurt by things that he did or misunderstandings between them. And that doesn't just disappear because she's in a better place. I like that. I also like the fact that Bray still is wary of her and no longer trusts her. There has been damage done to this relationship. There were things said that can't be unsaid, things that were done. Um, so I was glad that they didn't just try to wrap this up with a bow and have the two apologizing to each other. And oh, we're still friends. Yes, of course, we're still friends. Like, <laughs> I was really glad I didn't go that route and they leave it mm -hmm. hanging open. Yeah. I guess... For me, like when you talk about a longevity of a TV show, like I kind of expected the show to go into, you know, super natural length where it's like 117 seasons and, you know, slowly over the course of, you know, 500 years, we would, you know, we would eventually see them come back around or whatever. Um, <laughs> come on, did you, anyone ever, ever think Supernatural was going to end? Let's be honest. Like... <laughs> I've yet to watch it. Sorry. I, I mean, I stopped watching in season five, and then you find out that they ended at season, what, 31? Like, it went on. <laughs> Every time I talk about Supernatural, you will find out the numbers always change. It's just kind of the joke. So, <laughs> you know, like... I assumed that maybe slowly over the course of everything, you know, organically, they would come back together and decide, you know... We're, we're not good as, like, lovers, but we're good as, like, people, friends who have to live with each other in the boundaries of the mall. Yes, as people, friends. Yeah. Like, I don't think they would ever get back on a, like, a relationship level, but coexisting together, you know, maybe Bray would have some fun times with Brady as her uncle, but... Yeah. But it's also one of the things I do like about Brady, uh, Bray and Trudy's relationship. Um, one, this is a very honest portrayal of what happens when friends hurt each other. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they, it's 
doesn't always just seamlessly go back together. Some hurts, they just stay hurt, man. And yeah. they don't stop hurting for a really long time. And um, even if you get yourself in a good place or you might, you can see where you were wrong and all that stuff. And Trudy's really trying here. She's really trying here. I mean, she's freaking vouching for Celine. This was her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trying to read her wrong. She's, this is a 180. She's trying to be very understanding. And uh, that's difficult because she's still hurting, you know, and she didn't just stop loving Bray. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bray too, he's hurt by her actions too. She hurt him. You know, there was a lot he did for her just because he cared and she threw it in his face and she put him through a lot of hell and um, she broke his trust. They broke each other's trust, basically. Mm-hmm. You don't just get that back. And what I do love about Bray and Trudy, I guess this is why they're my OTP, is that of all the relationships in the show, I feel like these two have gone through some of the most rough patches and yet have always been able to come back from them. They've always been able to find each other. Like that love just never goes away. The affection they harbor for each other never disappears. Mm -hmm. They come back from this. You know, their friendship stays strong through everything. And they do some messed up things to each other. Things happen to these two and they're able to get past it. They don't bury it in a rug. They don't hide it. They don't pretend it didn't happen. They, They feel it. They're angry at each other, you know, all that stuff. And they move on and they forgive each other. And for me, that's just, that's real love, you know, and mm. I, I adore that about Broody. <laughs> it's such a good name for them. Just throwing that out there. Like, Broody. They're so Broody. Like, <laughs> yeah, broody. you, you say Broody and you're instantly like, yep, that's it. That's, that's, that's the relationship. And I admit, this is one of those relationships that, that would be so satisfying. That takes like a decade for them to get there. And then their time finally arrives. Every, the timing is just right. And they meet each other in the middle. And it wouldn't have worked if it had happened any sooner. You know? So my fictional season six. <laughs> or seven or eight. Yeah, I see. I'm on like fictional season 28. I just, even if it wasn't romantic, that kind of love between two people is, it's a beautiful thing. I would have loved that for the tribe if finally like the character, like generation one is older and like generation two gets to kind of take over the city Mm -hmm. that would have been cool to see i think i would have hated it (laughs) just because i'm such an old lady i didn't even like generation two of skins (laughs) like you're not the right people i don't want you (laughs) yeah well that's why i don't want to go on the fan cast bandwagon like i can't fan cast the tribe i'm sorry no, see, that's just my thing. The thing that makes the tribe so awesome is these aren't well-known actors. Like, these were kids they picked up off the street, pretty much. You know? And anyone that I would say for a fan cast wouldn't be that no-name actor. You know? I- I've thought about this a lot. Well, I mean, they were well-known in their country. They just weren't mm-hmm. well-known internationally. But, like, all of these guys had acted and acted before on many productions. Yeah. They, so it's not like they were unknowns, not in New Zealand, but, yeah, around. So, like, over there, these, these guys were n- no names, you know? I never got that impression because a lot of the stuff that I had seen was that, you know, they were working on this show and nobody really knew about it and they didn't know about them on the show. And that's why people left to go back to school and that sort of thing. Well, I just don't think the tribe itself ever got really big in New Zealand. I don't know why, but... 
Well, um, talk about fan casting seems like a good point to bring episode 26 to a close. Thank you once again to the panel, and we'll see you next time, not for episode 27, but for a mid-series special, where we'll be breaking through the shackles of the episode-to-episode guide, and we'll be talking about a lot of different aspects of the tribe. Um, so yeah, we'll see you then. So until then, bye. 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 Bye.